Hi, I'm David Porter, author of Five Minutes to Live. Just a few things to note about the podcast. First, if you want to purchase Five Minutes to Live, the link is in the description of the podcast, but can be purchased online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and even at Walmart and Target online. I've also listed my Facebook and Twitter links. I'd love to hear from you, especially if you're enjoying the book. In this series, we're going to read through Five Minutes to Live, chapter by chapter, releasing a new chapter each week. If you didn't start with Episode 1, the prologue, please go back and start there. Please subscribe and hit the alert notification, whatever that looks like on your preferred podcast platform. That way you'll know when the new episodes are released. And if you're enjoying this journey, please, please, please share this podcast with your friends and family. Five Minutes to Live has a lot of footnotes for the research done and the Bible verses quoted. I'll post those footnotes in the description of each episode. Finally, I've got a new book on the way titled 60 Seconds of Silence that I am really excited about. Once that book is available, I'll go back and post that link in each episode's description as well. With that, thank you for being here. Let's get started. Chapter 12. The young man parked his car on the street close to where I had spilled out of Rafe's taxi. He looked young and athletic, muscular, wearing dark pants and a dark, long-sleeved shirt. In one hand he had his keys, and in the other, a brown paper bag. The bag looked heavy, like it was full, and the edges were rolled together, closed at the top, creating a semi-handle for the man to carry it. He rounded the corner, turning left, and did just like I had, checked the address of the first house on the block. He realized he needed to walk a bit further and continued down the street. Aaron and I had taken up positions so that we could better see the house we were surveilling, but still giving ourselves enough distance to feel safe from detection. Watch. The party is about to start, I said, as I noticed the man walking toward the house. Who is that? Aaron asked as he saw the darkly dressed man in the dark of the evening. One of the mercenaries? Looks like he's got something heavy in the bag. More guns? Ammo? The young man made his way toward the house, finding the correct address. He turned onto the sidewalk and cautiously made his way to the still, dark, very dark house. Stepping up on the front porch, he leaned in, getting his ear close to the front door, searching for activity. He raised his hand and knocked on the door, three quick, quiet raps, and stepped back expectantly. Out of nowhere, the motorcycle guy came tearing down the street, engine pressed hard. The wheels screeched to a halt as he whipped it sideways, flipped the kickstand down, and jumped off the bike. From somewhere, he pulled an automatic pistol and had it trained on the young man's back, running at him full speed. At the exact same time, coming from behind the house around both sides, men in black tactical gear, balaclavas, and machine guns appeared. They squeezed inward toward the house's front door. Instantaneously, the front door sprung open and men dressed in the same gear jumped towards the man with the bag, screaming in Hebrew, grabbed him, and threw him violently to the ground. From the safety of our lookout position, we saw it all happen. These guys were good. 
organized, and extremely well informed. I turned to Aaron and said, they must not have the information yet, otherwise they wouldn't have jumped that dude. Aaron just sat there, stunned at what he had just seen. For the first time, he looked scared. Uh, yeah, you must be right, he stammered. We need to get out of here, and I know just the place to go. I handed him the piece of paper that Nuria had given me with her name and address and phone number on it. Within just a few short moments, the mercenaries had taken the young man somewhere inside of the house, closed things back down, and reset the house as if nothing had happened. Motorcycle Guy began his lazy stroll up and down the street again. It won't take them long to figure out what happened. Call your Mossad guys and get a team over here, I added. You and I should go see Nuria. Maybe she's thought of some additional information that will help us. Or maybe you have some questions that might spark her memory. Aaron sat there, still, confused and amazed. He said, What just happened? Who was that guy? I told you that I'm figuring out this spy thing you've got going on, I said. When I borrowed your phone, I found a local Chinese delivery place and ordered a meal. I had Kaplan's address and played it like I was a friend visiting Israel. I told them in English that I hadn't eaten enough at dinner and my elderly host had gone to sleep. When the delivery guy showed up, the house would look like everyone had already gone to bed, but I would be waiting on him. I told him not to ring the doorbell, but to tap quietly on the front door, and I would meet him. Aaron said, Matt, that's brilliant. And with that, he pulled out his phone and made a call. He spoke entirely in Hebrew, but I presume it was to the Mossad agents that would shortly be showing up. He turned to me and said, We should go see this Nuria person. Chances are, since she left the message for Kaplan, she might be in danger as well. Let's go. Quietly. Unsure of how much surveillance was being used, Aaron and I took our time, scuttling along, staying hidden for several blocks. We finally reached a small, light-colored, foreign-made SUV. It had a dark canvas top and clear plastic windows. Aaron jumped in the driver's seat, and I made my way into the passenger seat. Aaron clicked two exposed wires together that were dangling from underneath the steering column. I was a little shocked to see Aaron driving a stolen vehicle, and he must have noticed my confusion. I stole it from long-term parking at the airport a few hours ago he said. I was trying to escape the ambush and needed a ride. Figured whoever it belongs to won't be missing it for a while. I've been following leads and chasing you all day, and haven't had a chance to go get my car. That's when I noticed that Aaron's window was open, except that it wasn't open, it was gone. He must have cut the plastic away to get in the SUV. I said, when did you get suspended? Weren't you at the station or whatever? Oh, no. They did that all by phone. Pulled my credentials and everything. Didn't have the guts to face me, I guess, he replied. How did those guys even know we were going to be at the airport, I asked. Aaron shrugged. I don't know. I haven't been able to figure that out. My only thought is, and I hate to even think this, we have 
a mole. End of chapter 12. If you're still here, thanks for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed that reading. If you want to purchase 5 Minutes to Live, the link is in the description below, and you can find my Facebook and Twitter links there as well. Drop me a line. Please subscribe and hit the bell so you know when the next chapter is released, and if you're enjoying this, please share it with your friends and family. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.